welcome everybody to Butterflies and Bravery. We're here with episode six. We're so excited to have the listeners keep coming back. We watch our downloads and it makes us very happy and grateful. (laughs) So thank you to everyone who comes and listens to us. And thank you, especially to all the guests that we've had so far. We have a really fantastic guest today. And uh, I am Whisper. And my co-host, Jemima. And then our guests, go ahead and introduce yourself. Damien. I'm from the ID system. So I will do my best to stay completely present with everything. But if someone else shows up, we have a voice changer program that gives them the option to communicate. So I'm not disappearing because... I don't want to be here. Thank you so much for being with us and doing this. This is really a special honor for us, honestly, because we haven't really had the chance yet to interview a lot of people with DID. What exactly does that stand for? Disassociative Identity Disorder. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Yes, that is. Yeah. I'm super excited to have you because I feel like that's a whole nother part of the population that needs to be heard. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's quite common, even though it doesn't seem like it is. There is a lot of systems that are around and get no help. And actually, if you bring up DID in a court system, you are considered unfit. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It's not listened to. And a lot of therapists don't even believe in it. I have heard that for sure. I do know that, which is really sad. And so just to clarify, when you say a system, you're talking about the different altars that use your body. Oh, right. Yes. Uh, A system is basically just the, the different altars that are to one body. Yes, that's correct. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. To make sure that we understand when you bring that and say that. Do you mind telling us a little bit about what it's like to live with DID? Because it, it must be kind of complicated, isn't it, on a day-to-day basis? <laughs> it, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Everything that we do has to be kind of structured the way that you would structure a toddler's play date. From the way that the room looks to the way that bringing a bag in public is, the specific foods. Uh, Every altar has different memories and different experiences in the body. And so what tastes absolutely amazing to me, someone else might not like. I've been able to like bite into a sandwich and, and then the next minute the sandwich is gone because someone got to eat my sandwich. So it's, everything comes with rules. I think what has helped the most with a system is having rules, being like, okay, when I am doing this, I need you to honor and respect that this is my meal. This is my time. Like right now, the system knows this has been set up like, this we talked about it in text we talked about that this was going to happen they knew that we were going to be talking to you guys and so even though there's one or two other altars that are like we will talk to these people <laughs> the other ones are kind of like <laughs> okay we know the rules we know that this is something that's very important for you guys it can be really difficult but then it can also be really fun because you're around people when you start getting along you're around people that care about you all the time. Yeah, that's really fascinating. There's usually a personal diagnosis at some point, right? Mm-hmm. With any mental health thing, I'm just saying that. You know that something you need, you know, something's going on. But what? how long has it been, though, that you've been um, able to... 2019 2000, is when okay, we discovered fair. anything about DID. And we realized... Looking back at the box of artwork and notebooks, actually, some of the stuff that we've been able to keep 
since the body was very young. There were blatant messages from the system. There's different handwriting. There's recordings. There's even photos. It's really interesting to go through photo albums, like to to singlets, or sorry, people that don't have DID, we call them singlets. But to singlets, they look at photos of someone over a time period and they go, oh, you know, your hair changed, your outfits changed, this is this and this is that. But the alters, when we look through a photo album, they go, oh, that was me. This is what I was doing. That's what time it was. This is what I was eating. I love that place. And and that memory is 100% separate. Oftentimes, in my experience, it's been separate from me. So someone will say, that was when we hung out with such and such. And I'll be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Wow. That is so fascinating. Yeah. If one of your alters eats your sandwich, then are you still hungry? No. <laughs> no. Maybe mentally a little bit. <laughs> oh, I feel robbed for sure. I feel robbed, especially <laughs> because pomegranate is my favorite food. It's uh-huh. when I was able to completely be in the body, I got to experience pomegranate for the first time. And I was like, this is the food of the gods. Like, this is incredible. And and the one of the littles wanted to try it as well. And so I would be eating a little bit of it. And then when I was fronting again, my pomegranate was gone. And there was this huge mess on the counter. So I, was, I hated that. <laughs> yeah, because you didn't get to taste it. And you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. You really have to have rules. You have to set up rules with the system. Otherwise, just like regular people, I mean, if you could think of having an apartment full of roommates, if you have like between five and eight roommates, which that sounds horrible. (laughs) But if you do have that, then you experience that all these people have different lives and different friends and different foods they like and the way that they put clothes away or don't put clothes away if you're me and they (laughs) don't clean things up or they they want different toothpaste it's insane and there's there's a lot (laughs) it breaks my heart a little bit to hear that you only got diagnosed in 2019 that means you've spent a lot of your life in total confusion and wondering what was going on Absolutely. And I've oh, made gosh. a lot of really bad decisions with it. Yeah. Damien was telling me a, a funny story about dating in high school. Hmm. That must have been interesting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who are you? <laughs> it's just- Ex- exactly. Exactly. When the female alters had boyfriends, which that's gross to even say, then if I was dating someone else, then it would be, I end up at this guy's house and I'm just kind of like, who are you? And then you're upsetting people because they see one body. And so they're like, you don't care about me anymore. And then it causes all this upset. And then she is upset and says that something's going horribly wrong, but we didn't have the ability to see each other. Right. I thought that I was the body. I seriously thought that, I was in hell. I thought that I was the body. I didn't know why I was a male trapped in this body. And I thought it was a sick joke. The household that the the body was raised in was very, very abusive. And so I basically was like, okay, so this is punishment for being alive, I think. And I guess I can't really die. I keep trying to, but I don't, it doesn't happen. So that's strange. So I just kind of have to be in this strange vessel that I don't agree with. And for some reason, end up doing things and saying things and being a part of things that I don't even have memory of. I am the altar in the system that trafficked the system. I was really angry with women in general 
and just not treated very well by them growing up. I kind of learned that women will demean themselves, essentially. When I was in the deepest part of my hatred, I, I used to be called a persecutor alter. And that's just the one that attacks and harms the other parts of the system and generally just isn't that great. And I trafficked the female alters because I was able to convince them that it was modeling or that this is what their worth was. And it was very very bad. And I got into an addiction program where I openly said that I was an alter and that I didn't know why, but I kept wanting to sexually assault the other alters. And I was doing this by seeking out abusive people. And especially because I wanted the body that I wanted, I used other men in the world to get as close to what I wanted to do to them as possible. When I was in the program, able to talk about everything, just kind of finally be heard and speak up about what I had done to the system for a really long time. I was listened to, I was validated. I stopped the behavior and I had to go through withdrawals and everything. And it was really sad, actually, to experience that the system, the two women in the system were randomly like, wow, hey, the body hasn't been raped in 10 days. That's so cool. I was just like, yes, I'm proud of this. But also, it, I had never, ever thought that that mattered at all until getting into program and I don't agree with the non-programs at all, but that was the first place that I was able to speak up as an alter and tell them, I don't know why, but I keep abusing the system and I want it to stop. So I did the work of getting it to stop. And in July, actually, will be a year of sobriety. Oh, wow. Congratulations. That's huge. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. July Good for 24th. you. That is so, so wonderful. I'm a former addict too. I was addicted to meth and um, pills and alcohol and cigarettes and all kinds of other things. Mm. <laughs> I respect anybody <laughs> yeah. that quits because it's hard. It is hard. Yeah, it's hard if, at least in, in my case, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to be a DID system. And to tell someone, I was addicted to raping the altars. And this is one body. You know, people don't really listen to it. When I was in the program, everybody listened. They paid attention. They validated. And it was like, these people are really going through stuff. But if you try to talk to people outside of addiction programs or outside of recovery, they're like, so let me get this straight. You raped yourself by getting yourself into situations where someone would abuse you, but you were saying that it's your body, that it was their body, and then you're also abusing other people. How does that make you abusive? Like they, they can't put it together. They don't right. get it. But the reality is, is that this body was unsafe because of me. And it only stopped when I was the one who did the recovery work. Well, everybody else, they went to therapy. They even went to recovery programs too. It didn't make a difference because it wasn't them mm -hmm. that had the biggest problem. It was me. You had the most pain. Um, yeah, I'm the trauma carrier, yeah. I'm sorry for that. It's a lot of levels of complication that I don't think many people have to deal with. It's no. So great to hear you speaking up and speaking out about it. There's probably people out there who w were like you before and 
don't understand what's going on yeah. or are feeling this this craziness and to to start hearing people talk about it without shame that's so mm. empowering i'm sure it's going to help people that feel isolated in this condition that they might have so that's amazing can you guys hear me or is it still i i believe so you don't hear like a a deep man voice is what i'm saying no no okay so i'm pink Okay. I am the altar that Damien keeps talking about and him bringing up those okay. topics actually kind of, it, it's frustrating, but it brings us out based on the memory. He started to think of something and then I was like, oh yeah, I remember this and that about the situation. And so I'm not really meaning to be out. I'm just kind of, I'm available to answer questions too. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Absolutely. That's cool. That's well, awesome. Thank you for. Yeah. Yeah. You deserve to be heard just as much as anybody else does, right? Absolutely. Yes. Well, everything that Damien was talking about, he had a lot of um, shame and guilt because of all of the abuse that was happening. He couldn't talk to anybody because he would see me in the mirror and automatically get really angry and there was a lot of harm being done to the body in general but I knew that it was all directed at me and it was very sad for a while but I had a bad habit of kind of latching onto people that sort of treated me that way in general which is why I stuck with modeling with pretty abusive people mm. and modeling in general kind of was the area that was easy to traffic me through because I really like creativity. He was able to be like, oh, you want to do this photo shoot? You'll like this photo shoot. And then it would be some really gross, like, old guy. Oh, no. I'm sorry. So was Damien the one that was setting up the photo shoots? Yeah. For a while, he was, well, he calls it a trafficker, and I understand that. So he would set up some of the gigs that I would do. People like me, for one. And I used to have pink hair for like nine years, eight or nine years, I think. Mm -hmm. And I, I just make friends. My job as the altar that I am is basically I just make friends. And when the body, the dead name was very young. My job was to make sure that she stayed away from that house. And so I tried to make friends with all kinds of people to keep her away from that house. But I'm not very good at it. Making the right ones, I made some kind of bad friends. So I ended up kind of bringing her into situations that weren't very good, like random old guys' houses and you know stuff like that. But then it followed into modeling and Damien was always really mad at how naive or something I was. And so he and I would fight a lot without really realizing it and just yeah. kind of do a bunch of things against each other while not knowing who we're fighting, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. It was yeah. very strange. Sure. But last July... Actually, I was convinced to get on this call with some guy and Damien set up the whole thing and it was supposed to be like meeting this guy and getting to know him. And then it became sexual pretty quickly. And I was kind of like, I don't really know. I'm not really interested in this. It's kind of late. And Damien almost demanded me like, this is what you're doing. And I ended up at this auto shop with some guy I had never met. And then the guy assaulted me for like five hours. Oh my God. And I never report any assaults that do happen. I've gone through a lot of them since I was very young. And this one was the one that made Damien really kind of pay attention because I reported it this time and oh, I yeah. went to yeah. the police. That's so brave. Yeah. I, I don't know why I think because 
I live with someone who I really love and I really trust. And I was like, if I reported this now, because I came home so late, I came home at like, I think it was like five in the morning because mm-hmm. I was out there from, this was like 11 o'clock at night. I ended up at this guy's place and I made, I smoothed things over. I did not make him feel at all like he was a criminal. I made sure that he thought that we were going to talk again and he got me an Uber and I was sent home. Everything looked fine, but I had damage to my spine, like my back because the futon had this big pole through the middle of it. And so I had bruising on my back. And the room was very scary because it was upstairs and very tiny and it was filled with junk. And he was very big. And so he stood in front of the door. So there's like this tiny room right upstairs. The bed was covered around junk and it was very unsafe. And if I tried to leave, there was a door that was right behind this guy. So I needed to figure out, like, I need to make this guy think that everything is fine. Right. So that I can get to that door. And when I did report, I had to say everything that happened. And I had to say everything that he said and everything that he did. And Damien had to witness me say everything that he put me in. And I guess it made a difference to him enough for him to get help. And I had to go through the, like the medical screening and everything, do the whole, the kit, the right kit. And I had a detective and the detective told me the next time that this happens, you need to say to, for him to stop and to get off of you. I was really afraid to report in the first place. But when the detective told me that the reason that she doesn't think that it was rape is because I didn't say to stop and get off. I instead said that everything hurt. Oh my God. And I was trying to get away. They also saw the damage that was done on my back. And still the detective was just like, how's he supposed to know? How's he supposed to know to stop if... You don't say to get off. You need to say that next time. And so I just stepped away from anything having to do with the detectives because that was too scary. Yeah, no, that's re-traumatizing is what that is. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what Damien is talking about when he says it'll be a year in July because that kind of stuff happened often. Okay. He knows how to find predators. That's why he calls himself predator of predators. He knows how to find them. And in the past, he has used that as a way to sick them on me. And that was the last time that he's done it. So very much has changed. And that's what happens with alters a lot is that behavior kind of the abusive behavior is trained and then they have to Right. Make the choices to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So now that Damien has, you know, like you said, had to witness this and, and Mm -hmm. it made obviously a big difference and made him want to change it. I mean, do you feel yourself able to get some of that healing yourself from everything that happened? Oh yeah. I, I know that it makes him sad. Like he just falls apart every time I say this. I really am so grateful to not be raped anymore. Yeah. This body is safe. I've never experienced this body just staying safe. Like no matter what, it stays safe. It's been so cool to get dressed safely and to take a shower safely. And I remember the first time he was really going through program and he was kind of learning to love and respect women instead of be angry with them. And he handed me the shampoo in the shower instead of trying to attack me. And, and I was just like, this is so cool. (laughs) So 
I really like it. And I I really like just being able to be almost like I'm not the body anymore. I can go out in public because everybody sees him. They don't see me. And so I don't get hit on. I don't get attacked. I don't get talked down to. I can walk around at night and I'm safe. I can go so many places because he protects me now. And I'm not in danger anymore. And so when Damien started the transition, that actually ended up being how help for you you're saying right oh yeah oh yeah definitely okay. i'm not a fan of the hairy legs don't like <laughs> it. i didn't like that i lost my pink hair <laughs> i didn't like that i lost my pink hair at all some days i'm just like i need a wig <laughs> but i i really love fashion and so i'm convincing him slowly like can we wear something else, please? Because all you wear is black and it's so boring. <laughs> I do miss some stuff. And then being able to sing was something that was very important to me. I love my life now because I get to experience the world in a way I never got to experience it before. Because for some reason, I just attracted really gross people and and. I didn't know how to stand up to them. If anybody did anything now, Damien stands up to everybody. And he stands up to people in a way that I just don't know how to. That's awesome. It's It makes me feel so happy that you feel safe and, and cared for. Everybody needs that. Everybody deserves that. Yeah, that's where yeah. the real healing yeah. can begin, too. I still can do creative things. Like I can still paint. I can still do photography, which is stuff I was doing before. It's just that instead of seeing me physically out in what we call outer world, I'm in inner world and I just get to tell Damien everything that I wanted to instead, or I just front and I try not to embarrass him, but the way that I walk and the way that I communicate and move and everything it's very obvious when i'm out and he just really hates it <laughs> there's still some negotiations that goes on from time to time <laughs> oh yeah and there's two other there's two other women and one of them is i wouldn't say she's worse than me but she's very different she's a lot more like damien she's very very outspoken and not as friendly i would say <laughs> and then the other one is very, very serious. And she okay. is, she kind of demands, she has demands and she has rules. She's the oldest. I think she's like in her 50s. Wow. Yeah. I'm only 26. Gotcha. <laughs> Still young. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. For it's sure. probably good to have that 50 year old woman in there, though. Yeah. She is very good with details. She can remember dates and times and specific information. She actually was able to draw out the room that was upstairs at the auto shop to show the police exactly where I was in the room. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So that comes in handy. Yeah. But she doesn't like to make friends. She's essentially just an android. She is is there for information and it doesn't bother her. To not have friends. I could not live that way. That is insane to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Gotcha. Do you kind of get a sense about what the other women are experiencing as well? Because if you're saying that you're starting to feel safe now, I'm guessing that you have some others that are also feeling safe. Oh, yeah. And the other <laughs> alter, she is closer to Damien's age. Damien has aged with the body, so he's 31, but she's kind of closer to his age. And she has just gotten more confident. Hmm. She was already m- way more confident than me. But the way that alters kind of work is whoever is either the most stressed or the most able to handle something. <laughs> is who comes out. And so sometimes if the body got too stressed out, I would come out, but I would just come out stressed. Even when Damien was going through all of his stuff, she was like, that's not my problem. I'm not paying attention to it. And now she feels really bad and she'll talk with me and was like, oh, I should have protected you, blah, blah, blah. But before she was just kind of like, 
everybody needs to take care of themselves. And so that's what I'm doing. Good for you. That is awesome. You're right. Everybody does need to take care of themselves. Well, that's what she says. I'm not like that. I take care care of everybody. I'm, I'm the caregiver and I'm the one who had the kids. I had a relationship and I had two boys. And so the rest of the altars, they don't really understand parenting, but I do. Okay. Yeah. That's very cool. I haven't really had a lot of experience talking to people with DID. So it's really interesting to me to talk to you. I really appreciate you coming on here and talking to us. This has been so amazing. Thank you so much, Pink. It's very nice to meet you too. Yeah. (laughs) When Damien was saying that one of them or two of them are going to have something to say. Yeah. It's me. I I used to be out all the time though. Like that's what you have to understand. Everybody liked me. I used to be out all the time and I could be seen and I was doing all kinds of things. And now I'm just like this secret agent. I'm just like behind the scenes, but I have a lot of influence and things and I get to do a lot of fun things, but now I don't really get to experience them the same with my girly friends because Damien won't hang out with my friend. <laughs> he thinks that they're just too much. <laughs> I'll let him talk with you guys again because he's like, what the heck? This is ah. mine. This is what I was doing. <laughs> okay. Thank you so I much. For- I just had to pop out. Yeah, we're I'm, that, thank I'm, you so much for talking yeah. to us. Yeah, I'm super glad so, you did. That's amazing. You. You're you're an awesome person. <laughs> Well, thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Hey, Damien. Hi. Thank you for letting us talk to Pink. That was amazing. Thank you so much for letting her come out and talk to us. She has a habit of wanting to make friends with everyone, regardless of how anyone feels about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of what she was saying, that, that you don't approve of that so much. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, at least have the ability to filter yourself or something. I couldn't stay present. <laughs> I, it was, And it's so annoying. I, I hate it. It's like yeah. someone pushed me out of the chair and said, I'm talking <laughs> to these people. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. If there was a question, <laughs> now I can answer well, it. What's it like? Like, are you in the workforce? And, and how do you do in the workforce if you are in the workforce? Uh, I used to work in public, just like, you know, minimum wage. And then there were too many switches. I was told by a supervisor that I said one thing and I would get mad. I'd be like, that doesn't make any sense. I wouldn't do that. That's stupid. And then, you know, get fired, obviously, because not supposed to talk to people that way but then i just kind of started writing my book and i started doing studies on narcissistic abuse patterns and then i got in school for Mm -hmm. uh, trauma recovery so i'm becoming a trauma recovery coach and specialist that is so um, wonderful that's amazing yeah yeah i was afraid for a really long time that I I wouldn't be able to do it because of DID. And they'd be like, how are you supposed to work with someone if you deal with switches? But I had to be like, no, I know that I have things to offer and that mm-hmm. the school that I got to be a part of is incredible because they say that They don't want carbon copies of the same thing. They want to hear about your unique skill and they want to teach you how to do your skill the best. I'm very, very excited. I have Mm -hmm. a long-term plan to, it's kind of intense, but I'm planning to make a university somehow, either in person, maybe start online. I'm not sure yet that will give people the ability when they go to therapy 
earn credits from therapy and use those credits to put towards college courses towards the subject that they want the most as a job. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. That's a yeah, good idea. Because <laughs> trauma survivors, we have to spend our money on therapy, rent, or uh, school. You don't get all of it. <laughs> yeah, you, not like, usually. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't have enough money to pay for a therapy session once or twice a week while also dealing with regular everyday life, rent, car, forget luxuries. As if you're a survivor and you can't make it, it's yeah. very difficult. It's very difficult. Yeah. So I want to, and I'm passionately working on a project with a few people on how to help survivors get into the kind of job that they really would like. That's such a great cause. <laughs> Trauma survivors, it's one of the things that we definitely struggle with is is working like a, a regular job, especially if yes. the, the more people that you're around in your job, sort of the tougher it is, you know. So that's such a great solution. And that'd be crazy. And it's a lot of work in general to live with trauma. Getting out of bed is a job when you have trauma. Yes. Because you could lay there, especially with DID, because we have inner world. I could sit in inner world and it, I could basically have the body lay in bed and just hang out in inner world and be stuck in the mind all day. Yeah. But it's only that way because there are so many, frankly, predatory people that try to make it so that survivors will not be listened to. They won't have a way to work. They won't have a way to publish books, to publish music, to have any help at all. Survivors the most, and with how many I have worked with, addicts and survivors get the least respect when it comes to the workforce. Yep. Yes. You're right. Yep. Sad. Yeah. And it's because um, they're in crisis. Exactly. That is really such a good point that it's so often overlooked by society. And I think the reason that they don't want us to talk is because then they're going to have to stop doing it. I mean, eventually enough Absolutely. people are going to stand up and say, you know what, this is wrong and we're not going to take it anymore. And eventually somebody's going to have to listen. I was thinking that myself today. I was like, so many women that could stand up for themselves and leave their abusive husbands or husbands leave their abusive wives, but they don't and they stay. And then that gives the abuser the power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That yeah. gives the abuser the power to keep going because these women or men or whatever keep going back to them because of the trauma. Mm -hmm. So our mission is to break that cycle. Every single one of us that breaks that cycle is a freaking hero. You can use their own system against them. Something that in a perfect world, I believe that people that have done predatory things, there's a pattern in how the abuser has treated individuals. I think that it kind of needs to be a legal thing to have someone, if they are narcissistic personality disorder or cluster B, disorder have them treated and someone that is untreated or someone that is not handling that mental health they are a liability i don't think that they should make it into office i don't think that they should make it as teachers i know that i'm heavily when i speak up on this i am rioted against because people are like that's sanest that's ableist and the people have mental illness people have gone through all kinds of stuff Okay, I'm not talking about those people. Right. <laughs> they, they always try to cluster it in. And that's how abusive people get away with stuff, is that yep. they take something great and they blend it with something bad. And so, like, the worst of the worst liars tell half-truths. They don't right. fully lie. And the worst of the worst abusers do aftercare. 
they don't fully, they're not going to beat the crap out of you and be horrible to you and then stick with it. No, they're going to get engaged to you and give you your dream home and, and then also be the one who is um, abusing you and keeping you isolated away from your friends. Right. I've even had someone I spoke to whose mom was poisoning her food so that when she was in the insane asylum, the mom could take the woman back and be like, and they would look to the mom and be like, oh, she's had so many mental issues. And it was because this woman was drugging her child's food. When I said stop eating her food, then she suddenly became outraged. And why is that? Because predatory people know what the I'm not going to cut, but they know what they're doing. <laughs> they know what they're doing. They yes. know what they're doing. And and they they blend in plain sight right in front of us. And they blend in with things that are desirable. That's how they get away with stuff. Very, very it. wise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very wise words. Right. And exactly like what Jemima was saying, the more people that speak up about it, the the more power they lose because people can start to see what's going on more ending ending the stigma around it too. And I think the other thing too, is that I think it's really important that we can start changing sort of the landscape of the workforce where it's like, Hey, it's okay to have bad mental health days and still be a completely productive, (laughs) wonderful benefit to the job that you're in or whatever it is that you're doing. It goes even (laughs) deeper than that. Because there are some people genetically who can't do things the same thing as someone else. Mm -hmm. I was talking with a friend about it. Genetics play a part in how someone's body, brain, blood, everything about them functions. If someone's genetics make it so they're more likely to get, I don't know, arthritis, why would you even think of giving them a job that is hard on their joints? <laughs> it's inhumane. The lack of empathy in the workforce, you have to compete and try to make it. Not only are you increasing insane amounts of cortisol levels and making everyone's body super acidic so that it activates cancer cells, and then conveniently not having a cure for cancer while also having a cure for cancer that you're not giving to anyone. They're making everyone sick and then not able to work at the same time and then being blamed for it. And then people turn to things like addictions and they have mental illness problems and then they don't get listened to. Insurance companies are like, oh, well, work with us and we'll help you with your mental health. But you get 12 sessions with this insurance. And then (laughs) when that insurance drops, so does that therapist. And they're not allowed to talk to you for three or four years. They have to pretend that they don't even know who you are. And then you have a patient that is suicidal because the only person they opened up to now they don't have contact with them anymore. It's fucked. It really is. Yeah. Totally. I'm so angry about it. It's a rigged system for sure. You can take your lying husband to somewhere and say, I want you to do a lie detector test and you can find out, is he lying? You could actually pay money to do a lie detector test. I think you should be able to pay money to do a brain scan for someone you think has a damaged prefrontal cortex. Mm -hmm. I think you should be able to scan. It'll be like, you know what? This person, they abused me. They abused my child. They did this. They did that. Can we look at their brain? Like what is going on? Are they capable of empathy? Because let's say this person gets a brain scan and it shows that, they got some serious damage in the areas of the brain that would be aligned with being able to have empathy. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be shocking at all to be like, how could someone do this to another person? Well, I don't know. They freaking have brain damage. Don't let them be the president. Don't let them take care of children (laughs) in a daycare. Don't let them have kids. And yeah, that's discriminatory. But there are some people that have costed people so much and so many lives because Mm. their brain was not healthy totally but no one wants to have that conversation they're like 
you're discriminating and and that's being hateful and being judgmental. How come a therapist gets to sit down and talk with someone about an organ they've never seen? That's what Daniel Amen Clinic says. Mm -hmm. And they're right. Very true. Yep. You look at the, the people that are in the trafficking industry. If you figured out a way to pay those people, I mean, clearly they like money. They're trafficking women all the time, women and men and children. If you offer them enough money to just do a brain scan, how many of those traffickers would have a brain that is similar to the next? Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's the people that have been through the mental health system that can see how messed up it is. Yeah. And they're they're the ones who are nobody's listening to. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, they're not listening because they're predatory and they need it silenced. Right. It's that simple. People that are predatory, they're gaining something there. They need to gain from something. And when you throw it out in the open, they need to create a distraction. I mean, that's why they have people at odds. I think half the stuff that happens with people fighting is used as a distraction away from the stuff that's a really big deal, which is trafficking and cults. Yeah, it's definitely not talked about enough and not enough no. is is done about it. The cult that we grew up in, almost some people got prosecuted, but most of them have gotten away scot-free and are still off doing whatever they're yeah. doing, taking people's money and hurting kids everywhere. And. A lot of the cults don't even look like cults. (laughs) Right. The worst of trafficking looks like commercial modeling. It looks like studio work. It's movies. It's music. There are situations with chains and cargo containers and people that are in different countries and people that are going through like really awful stuff. But the stuff that's right in front of us the entertainment industry yep. specifically is so much trafficking. Yeah. I'm using any of my YouTube, any of my media mm-hmm. as a place to keep spouting off all of the things that I think and believe until it reaches a point where I get wiped out because I'm going to say something that someone needs quiet yeah. And when that happens, it, it will at least show why is someone as insignificant as me? Why do I need to be silenced? Absolutely. That's my goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's already worked. I've already pissed off a lot of people in general. And I really think that the the kind of environment and society that we live in now, it's time to piss them off. <laughs> yes. <Hell> yeah. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. <laughs> That's our motivational poster of the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Time to piss them I, off. I, I wanted to I wanted to create a clothing line because yeah. I noticed that narcissists are kind of drawn to specific types. And I noticed that they're they're drawn to specific words when i talk with clients and stuff like that a lot of my work is centered around pattern and one word answers mm-hmm. so i don't listen to a whole sentence someone says i listen to one word answers at a time and whichever words they're saying the most then i pick those apart and try to figure out why why is this something that comes up the most and i notice with predatory types They really have a desire to make things that are childish into something sexual. Mm. And so it was interesting to me to take something like a shirt that says like daddy's girl or something like that. You will attract like a flock of narcissists. You will attract them. And I've just always wanted to like have the ability to lure them. And then have a guidebook that comes along with the clothing line that's like, all right, 
you caught your first narcissist. <laughs> this is what you're going to do. <laughs> you know, like Pokemon, except it's narcissist. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Oh, come on, reel them in. Don't let go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what you're dealing with. This one is a higher level. What are they talking about? They're Oh, they're talking about having bipolar and loving animals more than people. Wow. How unique. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yep. That's all no, right. Yeah, you're you are <laughs> a voice of a survivor, and that's why it's so important. Because a lot of these people can keep doing what they're doing is because their victims are shamed into silence. Shame, yeah, is the key. And so you'll have a woman that has been with an abusive partner and won't tell mm. anybody about it, and they'll even if they get away themselves and they rescue themselves, which is huge and brave. But then the next yeah. chick that comes along is going to suffer because this world makes it so terrible to speak out. You know? Yeah. When it glamorizes narcissism. <laughs> true. Glamorizes yes, it. True. Yeah. Even in kids shows, it's yeah. ridiculous, but people speaking up and it's happening more. I mean, there's a lot of people, they speak up on TikTok speaking up about cults and stuff like that. But here's the thing is that predatory types adapt with the time. And so if you speak up, they learn who you're talking to and what kind of language is used when you are speaking up. And they, they learn how to morph. They're creatures. They're not humans at all. They're creatures. And they learn how to morph into what it looks like to be around the people that uh, you associate with, which is why you'll see a lot of predatory types running organizations that they are broadcasting how amazing they are. And they don't really make a difference, but they have enough money and they have enough of an ability to kind of, you know, constantly Instagram things and, and get everyone. They'll have tons of followers. They don't care about the work. They don't care about the process and helping people. They don't save lives and create leaders. They create followers only. And you can really figure that out when you meet someone who's kind of saying that they're really helping people. And if they're hyper-focused on creating followers instead of leaders, that person is suspicious. Very true. Yeah. A lot of people don't understand those things. And that's why they get caught in those narcissistic traps because mm -hmm. they don't yeah. see that. Yeah. It's stressful, but it, it's also funny to talk with clients who they have been victimized by narcissists, but they think they're the narcissist. Every time that I talk with someone who survived narcissistic abuse, they think they're like, I think I'm the narcissist. And yeah. I'm just like, come on, you're <laughs> the least likely to do any of this stuff. And then you talk with the actual narcissist and they're just like, I am the victim. I'm like, right. oh, how fitting. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, very, very true. It's so that easy to true. spot. Yeah. Right. You're absolutely right. I actually went through a phase like that myself. I I started looking up mm. everything about narcissism because I was like, wait a minute here. I started looking at all the signs and all this and that. And I'm like, oh, my God, I think I'm a narcissist. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, no, I'm not. I'm totally not. I had to even ask Whisper, though. Whisper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. I was like, I'm going to come over there and well, smack I mean, you. <laughs> I've gotten to experience what I have a really good time with. And it's. It's studying, it's school, it's knowledge. It the, the stuff that I really love is learning. And this is not something that I love at all. This is actually something that causes a lot of anxiety and feels like I'm being forced to do it. And when I did stop it, I got all kinds of withdrawals the same way you would with drugs. I was sick, um, very sick from stopping self-harm from stopping all of the the bad behavior it was crazy and trying to talk to someone about it 
was very stressful because they just didn't listen. They're just like, oh, well, what drug are you using? I'm like, dopamine? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Nothing freaks them out more than when you're out from under their control. Yeah. We know that story. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're amazing. You have so much wisdom. And I feel privileged to have been able to talk to you. This has been yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it was really nice Thank getting you. to know you so much. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm glad that my rambling on has not pissed you off. <laughs> oh gosh, no, we're right down there in the trenches with you. <laughs> we're yep. like, yes. <laughs> Let's go piss some people off. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean Oh, I, I would love to. Yes. And I don't like CPTSD and I don't like DID, but because I have the job and the the lifestyle that I like now, and I'm in a safe place. I have so much time to piss people off. Just to, to <laughs> endless. When someone's like, when people are like, some of us have lives, and God, what? Why are you using your time this way? I'm like, no, I was primed for this. Every time we stand up, we're standing up for the person that's coming behind us too. You know, yep. so it's yeah. it's not just you. It's not just me or us. We're standing up for the people that are coming behind us. Yeah, it, I'm really grateful that a podcast like this even exists because years ago this would cause people to be attacked you know it wouldn't be safe you wouldn't be right. safe speaking up about something like this and i mean granted it's still not that safe you still could be in a lot of danger the narcissists have created so many devices to make money off of that they haven't kept track of the fact that they've created many ways for them to be outed with these <laughs> devices as well. <laughs> so yeah, the money was more important at the time and now it's kind of biting them in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You're super cool. Don't ever doubt that. Uh, <laughs> yes. No, this is <laughs> fantastic. You. you guys are awesome too. Oh, thank you. It was it's really, been fun. Really good. I, I, I was nervous, but I, yeah, um, for I'm sure. not now. No. <laughs> good i'm glad we, we want you to be at ease it was so yeah. cool meeting pink too <laughs> oh, <Yeah. gosh. laughs> i was just angry because i was talking i don't even know the last thing that i said and then she just showed up it's too much <laughs> to deal with yeah no that was it it's was not weird. me and i don't appreciate when <laughs> right. she just comes out whenever she wants to yeah, but sure. I understand. It must have been helpful if you guys were all right with it. Oh yeah, for sure. I really thought it was great. fantastic, and she said that too. She said Damien doesn't really want to let me come up, but I really just wanted to say some stuff. She's like, I got stuff to say too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she does. I I loved her. I thought she was great. She wants a pink wig, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, damn it, no. I, there's no. If I have facial hair, I'm not going to wear a wig. She doesn't like the leg hair either. Yeah. <laughs> Just so you know. That is not going. I have worked hard on that. Okay. I bet. I bet. That's not going. <laughs> as much as she has worked extremely hard on, on all of the using the razor repeatedly and trying to feel like a freaking dolphin i have worked really hard on the way it is now and i'll be damned if it goes away <laughs> she, she actually said that you protect that you're the protector and that you protect them so she does appreciate you yeah yeah and the changes that you've been making actually make her feel safer when yeah. she goes out yeah she said she feels safe oh that's She's cool yeah, she said that that she feels safe being able to go out alone at night and all of that because of you, basically because yeah. of you. You guys are so <laughs> awesome, both of you. I mean, I was mad, but that kind of fixes things <laughs> a, li a little bit. And besides, if the legs were not this way, who knows if from behind someone would think that, you know, they just they would they might harass. I don't know. And then they yeah. would get punched in the face. Yeah, very yeah. true. Maybe just write her a note and tell her that the leg <laughs> hair is part of the safety thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's genius. Yeah, I'll probably not hear about it if I say that. <laughs> Good idea, right? You could compromise and say, hey, yeah. we're keeping the hair, but I'll buy you the wig, but we can only wear it at home in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, yeah, I could. 
especially if she uses those she likes to use filters and stuff if she uses it only at home and she does her filters and snapchat stuff then yeah but i'm not going in public like that <laughs> honestly from the way that she was talking it sounded like it was something that she wanted to do at home where she felt safe because she doesn't feel safe in public but she feels safe with you in public mm-hmm. oh cool yeah all right yeah. She probably I doesn't tell you that stuff. <laughs> she, no. maybe she, sometimes she could be more honest with other girls, and but uh, maybe we're meant to tell you that stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, the people that are around and that get to talk to the others in the system, I've learned a lot from people from singlets that are outside the system about what others in the system have said because. I know because of the way that I acted, it makes sense. I still can kind of frighten some of them. And so they don't really open up about some stuff because I'll get, I do get kind of irritable more quickly than everyone else. And I'm constantly ranting about narcissists. So they're just like, would you just shut up and talk (laughs) about something exciting? And I'm just like, this is exciting. We're breaking (laughs) science. (laughs) It's very true. A lot of the leadership of the world are are narcissists. Mm -hmm. I mean, like an incredible amount, especially here here in America. I mean, I can't speak for other countries, but I know here in America, it's an overwhelming amount. I'm trying really hard to get my book out because it's specifically aimed at survivors who are in the position of leaving a narcissist. And I know that the narcissist is trying to figure out what will make them leave. And so I tailored the book in such a way that when the narcissist picks up the book to try to figure out what their victim or their prey is reading, I directly talk to them as well. Wow. Nice. I keep adding things to it. And then I get nervous about publishing it because I'm like, what if I tell them ways to do this? And I just spiral out of control, but I just have Mm -hmm. to do it. I just have to finish it completely and trust that it might help someone. I can't do everything perfect. I'm sure it will. (laughs) I'm sure it will. We, We all just do what we can to change our little corners of the world, right? Well, keep us updated about when that book comes out, because we'll probably ask you to come back on again and talk some more about it. We'd love to do that. Oh, I would love to, because so many people are going through abuse, like right now, right now. Yep. When we're in the middle of this podcast, someone is sitting at home on their bed with an abusive partner who is being mentally and emotionally abusive because a couple of days ago they were physically abusive. And so now they're in a, a phase of making that person feel like they're the ones who's doing everything wrong. And yes. it, I hate it. And people will, they watch my YouTube videos and then they will contact me and be like, this is what I'm dealing with. And so I'm really hoping that this book can kind of take those situations where someone is like, no one's listening to me. I know that I'm not crazy. Maybe I'm the narcissist. That's what I hear the most. I know that I'm not crazy. I hope I'm not crazy. I hope I'm not the narcissist. And I just, I want to make a book that gives people the ability to understand that you're not crazy. You deserve to be validated. You deserve safety. And you're you're not a narcissist. <laughs> and you can escape. Like you can tomorrow or even tonight, you can get on a train. You can get in a car, you can get on a bike, you can go somewhere else, you can do something else. Like as quickly as you get in a relationship with them, you can also get out. Excellent advice. Definitely. (laughs) It is tough though. So I understand that, but. That's sometimes what really holds back from making a change in your life is because you're like, you're like, I must be overreacting because the person's making you feel like you're the crazy one and you doubt yourself. If you already were raised with the influence to doubt yourself, then now you have conditioning that trains your machine that is your body to break down in situations where you're supposed to stand up for yourself. Instead, you break down and you, you don't because you've been trained not to. And that's how narcissists keep their uh, victims around the most is because they choose people that are already preconditioned mm-hmm. to 
give in. Yeah. There's so many good points made. It would be really hard to recap them all, but be yourself. Stay safe. Yeah. <laughs> Speak up. Yeah. Don't think that you're less important than anybody else. Your needs are just as important as everybody else's needs. And a lot of us that are survivors, we tend to forget that. We, yeah. we put ourselves last and put everybody else first. And that's not the way it needs to be. It's hard for us to stand up for ourselves. Good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> especially if you've done things wrong, especially if you have the shame and the guilt from doing things wrong. It's even worse because it's like, why protect yourself at that point? Thank you for giving us a, a peek into your world because that was really great. It was really fascinating. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that with us. You're welcome. I, I think DID needs more attention. I am aware that no matter how much I speak up, I will make enemies. And I just have to accept that that's just going to be the exhausting part of being alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yep. thank you for the opportunity to talk with you guys and communicate at all. I'm very grateful to to have a place to communicate and the fact that you let me safely communicate my way because I'm still in the process of the body's transition medically. And so like two years from now, who knows how I will look and sound. I mean, I am growing into mm-hmm. something else and yeah. it's really amazing. You're becoming the butterfly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> the caterpillar is dying. The butterfly is coming to life. <laughs> yeah. That's more Pink's thing, but I'll roll with it. <laughs> I do like bugs. <laughs> I, I, I would like to be a praying mantis. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah, that's cool. I like that. Those are, those are some fearsome animals. You better be a female, yeah. though, if you're playing mantis, because they eat the dudes. Oh, you know what? That's the most best bugs in the animal world, insect That's world. True. Yep, you're the right. The males are always smaller and eaten. Maybe that's not a good example. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was good. Thank you so much for your bravery and thank you for being here. And until next time, (laughs) stay brave and remember that every butterfly was once a caterpillar.